Hello, brothers and sisters. Greetings from Christ the Reconciler in Elgin, Texas, where it is raining today. My name is Amy Cogdell, and I, along with my husband Thomas, we serve on the Antioch Network Council. As it happens, Thomas and I attended the very first Antioch Network gathering about 30 years ago. At the time, we thought we would be called to serve overseas. Instead, we were called to a ministry of prayer. And so we lost contact with the Antioch Network for a number of years until 2008 when we took our whole family to Europe for a trip and we attended an Antioch gathering in Herrenhut, Germany. And that trip completely changed our lives. When we walked into that gathering, we encountered a group of mature believers who carried the presence of Christ. They cared deeply about the church about her expansion into all of the world and about her unity across historic divides and that was dear to our hearts. And one thing that we had never heard much teaching about was the apostolic gift. And George Miley taught about the apostolic role in the church and that was a great blessing to me personally because it helped me understand my husband and it helped me understand where our ministry fit in the body of Christ. We say that Antioch Network is a family of apostolic ministries. And what do we mean by that? It means that we are a group of leaders, are a group of communities who are called to walk together, to love one another and support one another as we carry forth the work that God has given us to do. The word apostle and its adjective form apostolic are derived from a Greek word apostolo, which means to send or one who is sent. Jesus sent the 12 apostles to carry forth his ministry on earth. And Paul tells us that Jesus continues to give this gift to the church. Ephesians 4 says this, And he, Christ, gave some as apostles and some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. The apostolic role is critical in the church, as is the prophetic role. In another chapter of Ephesians, Paul tells us that the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets held together in Christ Jesus, who is the cornerstone. Jesus is both an apostle and a prophet. He is one sent by the Father, and he is sent with a message from the Father. By the way, Jesus is also the greatest evangelist, pastor, and teacher that the world has ever known. The fivefold ministry abides in the person of Jesus Christ. And every one of us must learn from Jesus how to walk in our gift if we are to walk in the gift which builds up the body of Christ. Now when Jesus commissions the 12 apostles, he says this, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. The word Jesus uses to describe himself, his own sending, as apostelos. Jesus is also the Father's great prophet. Shortly before Moses died, he made this promise under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. 
Now everyone whom Jesus sends as an apostle is sent with a message from God. A message from God is by its very nature prophetic. And for this reason, the true, apostol the true expression of the apostolic gift must work hand in hand with the prophetic message. A person may function primarily in an apostolic gift, leading or initiating kingdom ministry, but without a prophetic message from God, that leadership will be ineffective and uninspiring. Likewise, some people may function primarily in the prophetic gifting. They may be called to sit with God and seek his mind and direction for the church, but the prophetic gift used apart independently from the apostolic gift will likely create confusion in the body. The apostolic gift brings order, direction, and application to the prophetic message. So what was the message that Jesus, the apostle, carried? It was the same message that John the Baptist carried, and in various ways that all the prophets carried before him. It is the message which is still at the heart of the church's cry. It is repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This prophetic message is always two-pronged. The prophetic message which comes from God has two, two aspects. It is a call to hope and a call to repentance. The hope is beyond our understanding, beyond our ability to grasp. The hope is that the king of the universe wants us to know him as sons and daughters. He wants to share his eternal life with him. Jesus wants to be with us forever and share with us his work, his authority, his glory. The hope of that calling is beyond all we can grasp. It is an honor and a love beyond all we can imagine. But in order to embrace that hope, we have to let go of lust, of vice, of greed, because these are the currency of our enemy's kingdom and they have no place in the kingdom of God. This is why the gospel, the good news of the love of God, must always be paired with a call to repentance. Without repentance, we treat the gospel as an additive or a medicine to our fundamentally sick lives, but the gospel was never ever intended to work that way. The gospel is a call to die and to be reborn in Christ. Because the gospel is a call to die, it will always be met with resistance. It is a changing of allegiance from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. The theme of this gathering is the prophetic witness, martyr, monk, and missionary. The martyrs show us how powerfully the prophetic witness threatens the powers of this world. In the early days of Christianity, the apostles, the prophets were killed for their message. The gospel is tidings of great joy for those who are poor in spirit, but it is bad news for those who are invested in the powers of this world. Because the message says that the kingdom of God is here, it is breaking in upon us. It will change the order of authority and power and we must decide where is our allegiance, where are we going to throw our hope where are we going to invest the energy of our lives? Even today, the gospel message is meant with intense persecution in many parts of the world, and apostles and prophets still face death. 
The monks of the Middle Ages bore a different type of prophetic witness. They lived in a world that had already been evangelized, but they saw decay within the church. They saw Christians caught up in the greed, the lust, and the powers of this world. So there were monks and nuns who went apart to pray and focus on the coming kingdom. They reminded their fellow brothers and sisters in Christ that the kingdom of God is not eat or drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy. They gave up a life of ease. They gave up, um, they gave up money. They gave up um, even marriage to remind us that the kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom. There is a reality that we don't yet see fully manifest, but it is coming. And it is worth seeking, it's worth giving up everything to seek this kingdom. Their apostolic gift was founded, was expressed in the founding of monasteries. And then these monasteries and convents were places of great hope and light in the Middle Ages. The prophetic message was a call to the church to set her eyes on things above. In the Protestant world, we see a similar prophetic witness among the historic Anabaptists, including our Mennonite and Bruderhof friends joining us in this gathering. Their communities bear witness to the world and to the church of a different way of living, a way that seeks to embody the principles of the kingdom of God here on earth and in family life. Their witness is once again a call to hope and repentance. It is a manifestation of the brotherhood which Christ makes possible on the earth. It is a reminder that this hope requires renouncing greed and selfish ambition. And this is their unique prophetic voice. In the past five centuries, um, after a bit of lull in the Middle Ages, We've seen missionaries, both Catholic and Protestant, take up the apostolic call once again to preach the gospel to every nation. And these missionaries have been sent with the same prophetic message that John the Baptist and Jesus carried. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And these missionaries have changed the world, just as the first apostles did. The church has taken root in the Americas, in Asia, in Africa, and the Pacific Islands, and signs and wonders have followed just as Jesus said they would. There's still work to be done, certainly, and there are still missionaries who will become martyrs. But their witness to us is that Jesus is true to his word. He is with us always, always. In recent years, I fear that we as a church have been tempted to de-emphasize the call to repentance in our preaching. We have been accused, and rightly at times, of being judgmental in our message. Jesus was never judgmental. He cared immensely for sinners and for the poor. He loved them and went into their homes, but he never ever backed away from a call to repentance because he knew that repentance is the death which leads to life. In fact, he preached a repentance far more challenging than any prophet before him. I'm going to read his words from the Sermon on the Mount. You have heard that the ancients were told, you shall not commit murder, and whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. 
And whoever says you fool shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. You have heard it was said you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out and throw it from you, for it is better for you to lose one of, part, one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. It was said, whoever sends his wife away, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except for the reason of unchastity, makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that the ancients were told, you shall not make false vows, but you shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. But I say to you, make no oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is the footstool of his feet, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you make an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. But your, let your statement be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything beyond these is of evil. You have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evil person. Whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. Brothers and sisters, these are hard words. This is a burning call to repentance, and if we do not feel its sting, we are not listening. But Jesus' message is also a call to life. Jesus tells us that God is our Father, and we can be like him. We can be his true sons and daughters through him. A gospel which does not call sinners to repentance leads to an anemic spirituality. And I fear this anemia is characteristic of much of our church. We need the apostolic and the prophetic gifts. We need to hear the call to repent and believe the gospel. As we sit together these next few days and seek the Lord in this gathering, I challenge us to consider the nature of our apostolic and our prophetic callings. I would like us to take three questions to the Lord in prayer. And here they are. Number one, what is the apostolic calling of my community? How am I or how is my community called to prepare for the coming kingdom? Number two, what is my prophetic witness or the witness of my community? How does my life or our ministry or our community call others both to repentance and hope in the coming kingdom? Number three, how is the Lord challenging me personally to repent? These are questions which we at Christ the Reconciler will be asking ourselves. And I will be asking the Lord to put his finger on places in my life where my character is not fully transformed to his. I know from experience he is faithful to answer that prayer. It is sometimes painful and it is always challenging, but I know from experience it leads to life. May the peace of Christ be with us all.